0: After I finished reading the book I thought that Dr. Tharoor should have named it differently that is, why I am a Hindu and why you are not because Dr. Tharoor seems to have appointed himself as a licensing authority of Hinduism to decide who falls within this faith and who he has to view with disfavor Now, I request Sri Rahul sir former IPS officer and former United Nations official to add their (laughs) comments. Namaskar, I'm very happy to be here and I thank you for your participation and would like to pay tribute to Mr. Rajiv Barotra's leadership in establishing this initiative and also to the young authors who have dared to take on an intellectually challenging task. It is the right thing because they are young and debate and discussion is a quintessentially Hindu thing to do. And I therefore encourage you in that. I'm going to make a statement on Mr. Dr. thashashi Tharoor's book entitled Why I am a Hindu, taking into account his illustrious career in the United Nations. His prowess as an intellectual writer and also the fact that he is a public servant who should be thinking not only about Hindus but about all faiths in India. After I finished reading the book I thought that Dr. Tharoor should have named it differently that is why I am a Hindu and why you are not because Dr. Tharoor seems to have appointed himself as a licensing authority of Hinduism to decide who falls within this faith and who he has to view with disfavor. So I would like to give you six points of disagreement, which I have with him, which are clearly not exhaustive. Point number one is Dr. Tharoor is highly inconsistent in his approach towards reform in Hinduism. In this book, He talks about the great souls of Hinduism and he says how their flexibility and openness led them to face the internal and external challenges that that their faith had to face. All of these great souls of Hinduism meet with his approval. He talks about Adi Shankaracharyas responding to Buddhism. He talks about the saints and the poets of the Bhakti movement, about Raja Rahmohan Roy, Vivekananda, Gandhi and says that Hinduism response to Islam, which I quote, expressed contempt for Hinduism's diversity, contempt for its pluralistic doctrines and coveted treasures was renewal. At the same time, he says that Hinduism was extraordinarily strong in its defense because of its flexibility. But of course, he disapproves of political Hinduism which he calls Hindutva. Let us apply this logic to his arguments. If Hinduism was successful in the past because it made internal changes when it was faced with external challenges, then if the situation requires the addition of a political dimension for the defense of Hinduism, why does he disapprove of this? His answer is, because Hinduism was never political, and therefore never should be. Now the essence of this argument is that something cannot be done because something was never done in the past. This is the weakest of all arguments. Point number two. He accuses the followers of hindutva as narrow-minded bigots and purveyors of hate. This is a very, very serious charge. And consequently, it needs to be examined not only from the point of India's experience, but also whether there is something else in the world from which we can learn. And in this respect, I have a reading list for Dr. Tharoor, as he is an eminent author. The first, I suggest that he read what what Mr. Shaheed Ahmad. A Muslim and the former foreign minister of Maldives has said before the United Nations Commission Commission and Human Rights Council as this United Nations special rapporteur for freedom of religion and belief. And I quote, criticism of the ideas, leaders, symbols or practices of Islam is not in itself Islamophobia. And that international human rights law protects individuals and not religions. End of quote. After this, I suggest that Dr. Shashi Tharoor read a Time magazine interview which was published in 2017 with the General Secretary of Indonesia's largest Muslim organization. And Indonesia is the world's largest Muslim country. And I quote him to be precise. He says... Within the classical Islamic tradition, the relationship between Muslims and non-Muslims is assumed to be one of segregation and enmity. And the extent that Muslims adhere to this view of Islam, it renders them incapable of living harmoniously and peacefully within the multicultural and multi-religious societies of the 21st century. End of quote. I also recommend some more readings for Dr. Tharoor, including reading Infidel by Ayan Hirsi Ali, a Somali, that he should read A God Who Hates by the Syrian Wafa Sultan and Unveiled by Yasmin Muhammad, who is a Canadian Egyptian. All these brave Muslim women recount in their books how they were taught to hate the others simply because they were not of the faith. I also suggest that Dr. Tharoor reads a public United Nations documents on the atrocities which were inflicted by the Islamic State on Yazdi women and which were justified on religious grounds. If after all this, Dr. Tharoor wants to have a discussion with me on where the hate originates, I would be happy to have the discussion. Third, Dr. Tharoor tries to put a positive spin on Indian secularism, says that it cheerfully embraces financial support to minority institutions in the persistence of personal law. Is Dr. Tharoor aware that as a former United Nations official, that the United Nations position on polygamy is that it violates the human rights and equality rights of women and it should be abolished? This is not a Hindutva demand. This is a demand which has been accepted by the international community. Dr. Tharoor thinks that Hindutva looks only to recreate past glories. This is totally incorrect. In fact, the exact opposite is true. Because right now we have a Prime Minister who not only talks very enthusiastically about the future, but he is doing something about it. And also, while seamlessly connecting into the past. It is also not a coincidence that from 2014 and 2015 to 2022, the number of patents filed in India has doubled, going from precisely 42,763 to 66,440. If Dr. Tharoor thinks that followers of Hindutva think there is a contradiction between science and spirituality then i suggest that he visit geneva the headquarters of the european center for, for nuclear research where he will find the statue of the dancing shiva which is the ultimate example of the confluence of hindu spirituality and science next he accuses the bjp of appropriating the legacy of sardar vallabhbhai patel i found this very amusing because he should know better than anyone else that it is his party which was responsible for the marginalization of the giant role of Dr. Sardar Patel Patel in the integration of Indian states because of its devotion to one family, which continues till today. And the fact that the recognition of the rightful role is in fact, smart politics. And I think that it possibly also reveals Dr. Tharoor's political naivety. Next, he defends the artist, well-known artist M. F. Hussain, who, as you might recall, had drawn paintings of Indian goddesses unclad. Dr. Tharoor says that he did not; he was fine with that. That he he did not he did not feel insulted because the paintings were not intended as an insult, and that uh, Mr. Hussein was inspired because he had grown up in Pandarpur which was a religious center and consequently what he did was all right. Now he further says that he did not draw the prophet Muhammad because after all quote Islam prohibits any visual description of the prophet. Unfortunately Dr. Tharoor's research is not quite thorough. He should read Professor Christian Gruber, who points out that there is a tradition of the depiction of the Islamic prophet in art going back to the 7th, going back seven centuries, and in fact, a painting of that still hangs in the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and a painting in fact appeared in Egypt in 2012, when the country was undergoing revolutionary turmoil, which was there in Mahmoud Muhammad Street. So would Dr. Tharoor be comfortable if an artist drew inspiration from that and did something which he found okay with Indian goddesses? I await his answer. Finally, Dr. Tharoor's solution advice to Hindus is endless tolerance. He thinks that there is no threat to Hinduism because it has survived in the past and therefore will always survive in the future. This is factually not correct. What I want to ask Dr. Tharoor is that does he advise endless tolerance for the Hindus of Pakistan who have been reduced uh, to a pathetic minority in which the United Nations has had to step in and say, please do something to stop these religious conversions and forced marriages. Does he advise the same thing to the Hindus of Bangladesh, which according to Professor Abdul Barkat of Dhaka University saying that there will be no more Hindus left in Bangladesh in 30 years. And does he advise the same thing to Hindus in India as we already have a plan to make this country Islamic by 2047? So the question is that I found an astonishing statement in his book, and he says, by extolling the virtues and harmony of cooperation, It, that is Hindutva, sows the seeds of further division by setting those who subscribe to these views against those who, for reasons of religion, politics, and intellectual conviction, do not, do not. In effect, he is saying that the tolerant must never demand tolerance from the intolerant because the intolerant might become more intolerant. I have never come across such an argument. To conclude... This is a condescending and one-sided book. He would not dare use his methodology for any other religion apart from Hinduism. According to him, he looks down from his lofty heights and tells everybody who does not agree with him that we should draw no lessons from the past. He advises endless tolerance. And my question to him is, how much tolerance do you advise on a scale of 1 to 10, given the fact that everything is measured on a scale from, from blood pressure to, to earthquakes? What he says is that Hindus should be a community which has got only duties and no rights. And that this community alone has the burden of keeping India democratic. I'll leave this question to you. Should the burden of keeping India democratic be only with Hindus because because of their supposed intolerance. I wish I could say otherwise, but when I reached the last page, I was surprised how much an erudite man could reach such weak and erroneous conclusions. I'm sure that Dr. Tharoor will have answers to my questions. And since he's a learned man, I look forward to them. Thank you.